Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I hope that you're all staying warm on very, very cold winter night. Um, I'm very lucky because my husband set up a lovely fire, so if you hear some crackling in the background, it's the warm, toasty fire that my husband so nicely made for me. But anyway, um, so I, I hope that everyone is um, not too crazy with the, all the holiday madness, and you're taking a little time for yourself to relax and listen to this podcast and um, listen about one of your favorite and my favorite topics, which are romance novels. Um, anyway, I want to introduce my guest this evening, Karen Stivali. Karen writes erotic romance and sensual contemporary romances. Her work has been published by Alora's Cave and Sam Hine Publishing. Her titles include Always You and Marry Me. So welcome, Karen, to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. How are you this evening? I hope you're staying warm. I don't know about staying warm. It's about five degrees out where I live, but other than that, I'm really good. Thanks for having me on your show. <laughs> and, and the holiday madness hasn't gotten to you, hopefully. I'm kind of ignoring the holiday madness. I have all my Christmas shopping done and absolutely nothing wrapped, so I figure as long as it's in the house... I'm in decent shape. Yeah, well, you're ahead of me, that's for sure. But anyway, well, Karen, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your writing journey. How long have you been writing? Um, I started writing when I was in high school, and I did all through college for different kinds of uh, college projects. I worked on some some film and some animation projects, and um, then I stopped for quite a while, and I started up again about four years ago, and it wasn't um, wasn't to professionally write. It was for a birthday present for a friend. She was a huge Twilight fan, and she had some issues with the fact that Twilight had ended with like a bit of a fade to black for the sexy scenes, and she was complaining about that. And I said, you know what? I can write her a personalized story that'll give her exactly what she was missing. So I wrote her a personalized version as a birthday gift, and she said. That was like so much fun. Do you write anything else? And I said, well, you know, I haven't in a really long time, but I guess I could because I've had a story in my head. And that's how I started writing again. I started writing a story that I had been thinking about for eight years, and I sent her every chapter as I wrote it. And she kept saying, send me the next chapter. And then I had a book. So that's how I got started writing again. Wow, what a wonderful friend. What a wonderful friend, and what a great story. So you just started writing. Um, did you do any type of preparation? I mean, was it really you just started put pen to paper, or did you try and read any books or join a writing group? I mean, I've always been a huge reader, like, my entire life. And like I said, I used to write when I was younger, but then I just stopped for a long time. So mm-hmm. when I picked it up again, it like it came very naturally because... I had done it, and I'd had stories that I was thinking of, but in the meantime, I had other jobs and family and other things got in the way, and I just hadn't just hadn't sat down and done it. So when I did, it just kind of all poured out, and it was really nice to start doing it again, but I didn't think, I mean, I thought that one friend who was reading chapter by chapter, I thought she was going to be the only person who ever read the book, so it wasn't, it wasn't like I thought, yeah, okay, that's it, you know, now I'm going to publish something. I thought that I was just doing it for her, and then, then I did join a local writing group, and that was, that was really helpful because it's really difficult when you first start writing to share your writing with other people, but 
once you start giving it to a few people and you start getting feedback, especially if it's good feedback, then it gives you the, the courage to start sending it other places. So that that was a good move for me. And my local writers group is it's six other women, and they're just they're amazingly supportive. Wow, that's great. Well, I mean, as you said, I and I, I think um, so many, you know, Stephen King who wrote on writing and and other people say the best preparation for being a writer is being a reader and reading a lot. And I, I feel it. It was similar to my experience. I've always been a big, big reader, and the same as you, I'd done a little bit of writing on the school newspaper when I was in high school, but I didn't, I didn't really do any, I didn't really put pen to paper until I was well into my 40s, and, you know, it was one of those things I always said, this is something I want to do, I always wanted to say, said I wanted to write a book, but I never did it, and, um, and then just one day I did, and it was kind of the same deal, I had like a story in my head, and, and it was almost like, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? And so, and then I wrote my first book, and the only person who read it was my mom, and <laughs> she said she liked it, and, and she was she even though um, my first book, Gold Coast Wives, is not her favorite of all my books, she always said she's like I was so impressed that you actually were able to finish it because so many people say they're going to write a book, and they, you know, they read a, write a chapter or two and they just never finish it. So just completing a book, regardless of what state it's in, is is such an accomplishment. It's, you get further than most people do. And now you have written so many books in, in a relatively short period of time. Mm-hmm. How many books do you have out there now? Um, that's a good question. Let me see. Um, I have, I think, nine novels and two short stories currently And published. you wrote them all within the past four years? I wrote them all within the past four years, and I've, they've all been published between September of 2011 and now. So wow, amazing. Once, yeah, now, once we started, they went fast. Yeah. Um, are you writing full-time as your, as your job, or do you still have a day job? I am writing full-time as my job, so I'm very lucky that way. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And is your family supportive of your writing? What do they think about you writing, I think, you write in the erotic realm, at least some of your titles. What has been their reaction to that? Um, I've, I've had mixed reactions from both family and friends, uh, ranging from, oh, my God, you write what? To, like, oh, you know, that's wonderful. I always wanted to write a book. I'm so happy that you're actually doing it. That's amazing. So people run the full, the full range of responses. And, you know, some people... Some people you can tell are not really telling you what they what they're actually thinking. <laughs> so I get a lot of people who look at my covers and are like, "You wrote that?" <laughs> like, yeah, I did, and I met one of the cover models. Then they then they're they're more supportive and they're like, "Oh, can you bring me to one of your conferences?" <laughs> now, are you a member of RWA? I just joined RWA a couple of months ago because um not all of the things that I write and the the first few things I published were not romance novels, and not everything that I write is romancy. So I hadn't joined, but I did join a few months ago. And um, after I did, I found out I was pan eligible, which I didn't know. So that was that was exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. That is exciting. Are you planning on going to any of the conferences? Um, I, I would like to in the future. The f- only RWA thing I've ever been to was um, this past spring. I went to 
a local RWA meeting, uh, the New England chapter, and mm-hmm. um, that was the first RWA-sponsored thing that I had attended. The um, the main the main RWA conference this summer. I don't think I'll be able to go to because I'm going to RT in May, and that's pretty much my conference budget for <laughs> for the spring and summer. Well, cause that's a, yeah, they're they're expensive. They definitely are. I'm hoping to go to the San Antonio RWA this year. But I'm in the middle of my book. I'm probably about a third of the way in, and I don't really want to bother. This is my latest book, and I don't want to bother going unless I'm done because, you know, as I've talked about in some of my prior shows, um, most of my books are are published with small e-publishers, Lyrical Press and Echelon Press. And I really Mm -hmm. want to take this next book to the next level, and Mm -hmm. I want to try and go the traditional publishing route, and that involves getting an agent. So... You know, so I'm still a little on the fence, um, so we'll see. And I also submitted uh, a proposal to do a presentation on Blog Talk Radio. So I'm hoping that, so I'll, if they select me to give a presentation, I'll, then I'll definitely go. Um, but if I don't get selected, and I think I sit, sent my submission in a little late, um, then I'll I'll go if I finish my book. So it kind of puts a little pressure on me to to get moving. Great, but. Uh, you know, because I still have a day job, so unfortunately I can't spend as much time writing as I would like. Now, maybe you could talk a little bit about the heat level of your books. I know that some of your titles are erotic, but some of them are not. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Um, the heat level in my books. It, it's it, All of my books are pretty steamy, I'll be honest, but <laughs> some of them are technically erotic romances. The ones that are not, they're... If you're not an erotic romance reader, that you'd consider the ones that are not to be erotic romance. You have to kind of know where that line is because it's it's a very fine line. line. Where, yeah, where where is the line? Because some people have have described my books as erotica, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me because they're not. Right, I mean, it, it really for a reader, it really depends on what their frame of reference is for books that they've read. Mm-hmm. Because if if you've only ever read you know, especially if you haven't even read romance novels, then I think they, people tend to think like, "Oh my God, there was sex mentioned. It must be erotic." But if once you're actually reading romance novels and you see all the different heat levels, you realize that it's got to be pretty explicit for it to be considered erotic. And a lot of things that are really pretty explicit are not quite erotic. So my critique partner and I joke that it depends how many of the c words you use, and I'm not going to list what those are because. <laughs> don't want to offend anybody but like it comes down to certain words and like the frequency of of your your heated heated scenes and the context that they're in but all of my books are love stories and they're all romantic and they all have open door sex scenes so you get the explicit steamy stuff you just get different grades within that well, it's funny. I, last week, I don't know if you listened to my show last week, but I interviewed Alexandra Christian, and she said that the way she described her books was very plot-heavy erotica because she said a lot of erotica out there is a little skimpy on on the plot. It's just kind of going from scene to scene to scene, and there's you know sex in the scene. Now, how would you describe your books in terms of the plot level? Like, do you find that your erotic tited, titles maybe have a, are a little lighter on? on the plot and, and, the, and the, the complications in the plot, the intricacies of the plot, and maybe your, your less erotic titles are, are more plot-heavy? You... I think or my it... books are, are all evenly plot 
heavy or a plot light, depending on how you want to look at it. I tend to focus more on the um, emotional relationship between the characters than, like, the, the action-y part of the plot. So a lot of conflicts in my books are they're more internal struggles or, you know, relationship problems or things, things that, like, if your friend sits you down and asks you, how was your week, the kind of struggles that you would list as opposed to, like, huge major events that would be considered, like, heavy plot items. And a lot of people, when they, after they read my books, they say that they feel like, like they know my characters, like the, they could be their neighbors or they could be their friends. And that's like my favorite compliment to get. So I don't, I, I'm happy when I hear that. I don't, I don't like the more extremely plot-heavy stories, and I can't mm-hmm. write them because that's not what I gravitate toward as a reader. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would I would so say a heavy, heavy emotional was, focus. Yeah, the emotion. Now, would you characterize all of your books as contemporary? Yes, they're all contemporary. Mm-hmm. And how about your heroes? What are they like? Um, what are my heroes like? They're. I do not write alpha heroes. Um, I can't write alpha heroes. I try sometimes, and like I, I write people that. I think they're alpha E, and then people read them, and they're like, "No, you you totally do not write alpha heroes." <laughs> so I, I never I know guess. what that means. What does that mean for an alpha? Like, what do you think an alpha hero means? Like, to me, an alpha hero should just mean a strong male character, but that's mm-hmm. it's not that's not really what it means. It tends to mean tends to mean I don't want to use like negative words, but like. A lot of traditional alpha heroes are almost like obnoxiously masculine, right? And that, right, right. like, you know, I have I have a male close male friend who I've known since high school, and he always tells me, and he's told me since we were 16 years old, oh, the cocky guys always get the girls, you know, girls like guys who are like, you know, re- almost rude to them, and and I'm like, no, they don't. I, you know, I've never bought into that. But there are a lot of romance heroes that that fit that description, and I can't write those guys because, like, to me, that's not attractive, and I have to be right. attracted to my own hero. Otherwise, he's not going to come out right <laughs> because I, I can't be thinking, why is he acting like a jerk? But a lot well, of well, I think I think I must write a lot of alpha heroes then because <laughs> a lot of my uh, a lot of my heroes are jerks. Are jerks. I think I like jerks, though. I think I always did. I like. I think you know, you're, I, find, you're I find that right. entertaining to read. Like I, I enjoy. I enjoy a lot of books where the hero is that really cocky alpha male. But that's not who I would go for in real life. Mm-hmm. And the people that I write tend to be people that I would be friends with or interact with in real life. So yeah, I'm not comfortable writing that. I don't think I would write it believably. Well, that's so, very I, nice. I guess I write. I write about people who I'd probably never meet in my real life because I, I have a four-book paranormal series uh, called The Devil and Legacy, and those are mostly people that I wouldn't want to meet in my real life. But <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> uh, and I write really, really, in, in, at least in those, in those books, I write super, super alpha heroes, and, um, and they're some pretty, pretty t- you know, pretty scary Right. See, in, in movies and TV shows, I'm fine with with characters like that, but I just I don't think that way, so I could never create something like that. 
Right. Like I, right. I read, I've read all the Harry Potter books, and I absolutely love those. But I couldn't world build like that if my life depended on it. I just, mm-hmm. my mind doesn't work that way. But I love reading it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it has to. You know, people don't realize when you when you're writing characters, you live with them. You live with them for the the time the time period that you you spend writing with them, writing them. And for me, because writing is not my main gig, right? I have. I have my my day job and my family obligations, so it takes me a long time to write. It's usually I'm you know I'm averaging like a book a year, and so for that year I am living with those characters. So there has to be something about them that fascinates me, that interests me, because I'm going to be living with them. And so I, it sounds like for you, you almost have to like your characters. Or is that a fair yeah, yeah. characterization? I I write at a much faster rate. And I, my characters, when I'm in the middle of a book, they talk to me nonstop. So yeah, if I don't like them, I would be like, <laughs> I would go completely nuts if they if I didn't like them. So that, that's a very good way of putting it. I I do. I always like my characters, and when they do things that annoy me, they they I make sure they get it over with quickly because they're chattering in my head, and it's just not good if if we're not getting along. Well, the, one of the character I'm writing now, about, and I'm kind of switching genres. The book I'm working on now is more of a contemporary romance, really more of a women's fiction family saga. And my main character is so different from my other characters, my, my sexy witches and my devil and legacy books. This character is really damaged, and she's, and she's very angsty. And it's actually impacting me, because after I write of her, I'm almost like snapping at my husband <laughs> because I've kind of absorbed some of her angst and her and she's like a very brittle type of character. Now, do you find for your characters, do you find that you either are putting a lot of yourself into your main characters or do you find that sometimes you are absorbing, you know, whatever you're writing about? So if they're really bubbly characters, you yourself become more bubbly. I think it goes both ways. Um my characters are usually they usually have some facet of their personality or something about them that is similar to me. I, I like to cook, so a lot of my characters, food is a very big, important part of their life, or they like to cook, or I've even written foodie romances where their jobs involve food or cooking. Um, so there will be components that are similar to me, but other mm-hmm. than that, I like I like to vary it so that I get to live vicariously through the other people. I don't mm-hmm. write characters that are that are totally like me or anyone that I know. If I if it even veers too close to somebody real, then it's almost like the character stops talking to me because it it, it crosses over to the real person. So I have mm-hmm. to I have to have it be somebody who's completely fictional. Which is why when you get that question, people read your books and they're like, Oh, is that based on so and so? My answer is always a solid no, because I can't do that. I can't I can't blend real life and fiction. Mhm. Mhm. Well, I almost feel too. For my first book, Gold Coast Wives, I think of all my books, that main character, Kate Ryan, is the most like me. She's, she's over forty. She's married. She's a lawyer. I'm a lawyer as well. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why Gold Coast Wives is my, in terms of heat level, it's. It's the most plain vanilla sex scenes you can imagine. It's really, it's more of a humorous contemporary romance. And I had a real hard time writing the sex scenes. And I think now, looking back on it, 
the reason why it was so difficult for me was because I identified so much with that character. And so to have her do things, you know, it was almost like it was me, a reflection of me, you know. So I just, like I said, those those sex scenes are very, you know, kiss and close the door. And it was really once I started writing Paranormal and writing characters that were so unlike me, that almost freaked me up, you know. It, so I, I wasn't identifying with myself. It wasn't like an aspect of myself. My characters were very, very different. So I got to, I put them in some really you know, sexy and, and dangerous situations. So that's that kind of helped me get over, you know. Right. I, just, get I over think I do my, the same thing only yeah. with just with real people. Like if it was too close to me, then I would feel weird writing all the sexy scenes. And yeah. I mean, people ask all the time, like, did you do all those things? And my favorite answer is always, yeah, I do them all in a hotel room and Stephen King's in the next room animating his pets. It, because it's like it's such a ridiculous question that you know just because you wrote it you must have done it you know all right. of the murder murder mystery writers out there and all of the women who have written first person point of view male characters and all the men who've written about women like we haven't all had sex change operations or lived multiple lives or gone out and killed our neighbors like it's fiction you make it up but they assume that if you're writing really sexy stuff you must be you know you must be doing that they start like shopping yeah, by your and, house and in the middle of the day, like, you know. Or and there's also this wonderful thing called the internet, right? We can research these things. There is so, this thing called the internet, and um, yeah, I've like, heard the, that other writers will look up like sexy stuff online all the time, but I, you know, I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> it's a rumor. No, no, I actually, um, somebody that I know, she said she wrote para, she wrote erotica, and she said, you know. She had she had teenage children and she had to put a lock on her computer because she kept accessing these you know sexy sites to get some ideas or to do research you know on you know bondage and things like that that she's clearly not doing in her own bedroom and you know that's what she did her research and I you know for my paranormal series I researched it you know it was all about witches now I'm clearly not a witch although some people might say I am but uh, I, I'm not a witch and so I had to research it by reading books, and I went to a witches conference and talked to witches. You know, so we, like you said, we're not, it's fiction. We can research the things we don't know, and, and, and we also can create our own worlds and create our own situations. I mean, that's, it's, like you said, that's, it's fiction. So I, I like your answer about Stephen King reanimating his pets. I might have to use that. <laughs> but anyway, well, maybe we could talk a little bit about, about your publication journey you, what was the first book that you had published, and, and where was it published? Um, the first book that I had published was a novella, um, It's Always You, and it was published through Allura's Cave. And, um, and how did you, did you submit directly to Allura's Cave, or do you have an agent? I do not have an agent. Um, it's actually, it's, it's a slightly long story, but it's kind of, kind of an interesting story. It was like an accidental road to publication. I had written my novel, Meant to Be, which was the one that I wrote chapter by chapter and gave to my friend to read. And um, I had shown it to my local writers group, and I had two online critique partners, and I had edited it and polished it, and it had gone from 150,000-word rough draft all the way down to a very tight 100,000-word novel. And um, I was submitting it to agents, and I was getting really good responses but no one who liked it quite enough to buy it. And I kept getting the same response that it was, it wasn't, it was cross-genre. 
It wasn't quite women's fiction, and it wasn't quite contemporary romance because I broke the rules of both. And they just they weren't sure what they would do with it. They were like, yeah, the writing is good, and I like the story, and the character was likable, but just not sure what I'd do with it. So I was at the point where I'd been on submission for about seven or eight months, and I wasn't getting any feedback that was stuff that I could change. It was all that kind of vague, well, it doesn't really fit a genre type thing. And I wasn't going to rewrite the book because that was the book, like that was the story that I had wanted to write. And um, just for kicks, my writer's group had said, we really miss you submitting chapters every week for us to read. We miss the steamy scenes. So for them, I wrote this really short novella, this really smoking hot, steamy novella. And I, I just gave it to my group to read. I was like, you guys miss the scenes? Here you go. Here's a, here's a novella for you. Steamy hot. And they were like, oh, this is really good. You should do something with it. And I said, you know, it's a novella. What am I going to do with it? I, you know, I'd have to find like the right anthology call or something, and I don't even know how to do that. And um, I, in the meantime, had entered this uh, eBay auction. It was uh, raising charity money for a romance writer who had lost her husband. And I won a critique from Janelle Dennison, who's a best-selling romance author. And I sent her the first 75 pages of my book for her to critique. And we were supposed to have a one-hour phone conversation. And she called me up after she'd read it. And we wound up talking for three hours. And she explained to me why I wasn't getting an agent. And she thought it was mainly a genre issue. And she asked me, do you have anything else? And I said, no, not really. You know, I've been shopping this book around, and all I have is this steamy novella. And she said, well, you know what? And she gave me a list of some e-publishers. And she said, just just send it there. Just send it to these e-publishers and just see what happens. And I had four offers on it within a week. Wow. So Wow. It was, like I said, it was kind of accidental because it was really, <laughs> because my critique group, missed the steamy sex scenes so mm-hmm. i wrote the novella and well i also I, think you know, it's the shorter wor- works and also the hotter works really fit well with a lot of the e-publishers and in fact my own publisher lyrical press has now changed its submission and it's really just focusing primarily on erotica which is great for erotica writers it's not so great for people like me who are you know although some of my stuff is steamy it's not erotica but um, but a lot of people have found a lot of success, you know, and especially, so Alora's Cave is, I think they were the first. They were really groundbreaking in terms of e-publishing and also publishing the hotter stuff. So, right. so they it sounds like they gave you great advice. Now, are you planning on staying with those publishers, or are you contemplating at all uh, a more traditional, you know, New York publisher? Well, right now I work for three different publishers. Um, mm-hmm. When I had gotten the offers on the novella, I went with the, with the Alora's Cave offer, but mm-hmm. one of the other companies that had made an offer was Turquoise Morning Press, and mm-hmm. um, I, that offer had come in right after I'd accepted the Alora's Cave offer, and mm-hmm. the, the acquisitions editor there was very, very sweet, and she said, you know, if you have anything else that you want me to take a look at, I would love to. And I said, well, you know, actually I have this cross-genre women's fiction contemporary romance that's kind of steamy but not erotic. And I said, but, you know, it's over your word count, and I don't know if you would want it or not. And she said, let me take a look. And she wound up publishing not only Meant to Be, but she contracted the sequel for it. And I also wrote two short stories with the same characters that were published in anthologies through them. 
So oh, wow. that was wow. kind of so like, a, like a backwards way to get that in. And then I have stayed with Allura's Cave since then, and the contemporary romances that I write are with Sam Hain. And um, I, I started working with Sam Hain. I met them. I met one of the editors at the RT convention a year and a half ago. And um, I, pitched, I pitched at the conference and um, sent in my work, and I wound up getting the offer. And my second book came out last month with them. And I have another one coming out in August. So, well, it sounds like you're you're with some of the top e-publishers. So, and and they're you're getting a lot of your work out. So it sounds like you know you have a lot of irons in the fire, and you're and you're finding a lot of success. So, you know, that's amazing in such a short period of time. Are you some? Do you sometimes pinch yourself like you can't believe this is happening? No, I totally. I never can believe that it's happening. <laughs> It's it's um especially after after the the nine months being on submission with agents and feeling like oh this is never going to happen then to have everything click in place so fast it's a little it's very surprising right right well I'm you know what I'm surprised about is that with the the competition of these e-publishers it surprises me sometimes that that agents do take a, a rather narrow view and and you're not the first person i've heard this from you know like oh i don't know how i'm going to sell it oh i you know i don't know what genre it fits in well you know what you know a lot of people you know there could be good stories that cross genres and a lot of people have found success with those types of stories and so i just and they find an audience so i'm surprised that you know like i said i have heard stories like that before and it seems a little disappointing to me that that they're not a little more open-minded. I don't know what your view is. Because, you know, I know that I tend to write elements. I mean, I think it's, you know, I read across a lot of genres, and so I incorporate a lot of elements into my books as well. And so, you know, the label shouldn't be so important. It should be should be the writing, I think. But right. And I mean, honestly, a lot of the self-published books that have done phenomenally well don't mm-hmm. really truly fit into a genre. So, I mean, that alone is proof that the genre-bending books have an audience. Right. So I think, I think moving forward, agents will probably start figuring out ways to sell those books. Because, right. I mean, even, even books like Fifty Shades of Grey, which I mean, nobody can argue with how popular that was, whether you liked it or hated it or somewhere in between, obviously it sold really well. And the first book most certainly did not have a happily ever after ending so that was not a romance mm-hmm. so technically if if that had gone to an agent an agent would have had to say well no this isn't a romance i can't market this as a romance because it broke the main rule right right so well like you said i think you know, the industry has really changed in the last few years and and as people like yourself are finding success with these cross genre books maybe they'll take up a notice in the meantime, you can keep writing what you know what works for you. Now, maybe you could talk a little bit about um, some of your upcoming releases. Um, well, I, like I said, I just had a release last month um, of a novel, a contemporary romance called "Leave the Lights On," and um, it's a second chances friends to lovers story, which those are those are like two of my favorite things to write, and. Um, 
one of the things that I'm working on right now is actually a potential sequel to that book, but I don't have that contracted yet. Um, but that's what's the case where the character keeps talking to me in my head. So I think he's a secondary character in this book, but I think he may need his own book because he won't shut up. And um, the next release that I have coming out is actually a paper version of a book that released in May, also with Sam Hain. That's Then Again, and that's coming out in May. And that's another Second Chances Friends to Lovers story. Like I said, that's a common theme for me. And um, I'm currently writing a book that's due out in August, and um, that one's that one's harder to describe. I don't know if I even should describe it yet because it's <laughs> it's not. I don't know. Yeah, how, like, it's hard to describe what you're for it. Yeah, when you're still working on it. Well, that's great. Well, we're actually running a little short on time. This has been a really great interview, and and you know it's 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 so great to hear somebody's like I said um, struggled with finding a place for their work and then finding this amazing success. It's certainly inspiring to me, and I'm sure it's inspiring to other writers out there. Maybe you could talk a little bit about where people can find you online. Um, well, I'm, I'm easy to find online because I managed to get everything registered under my name. So it's on Twitter, I'm Karen Stavali, and on Facebook, I'm Karen Stavali, and my website's karenstavali.com. So... I'm I'm pretty easy to find. I recently started Pinterest too, but I don't have don't have a whole lot on my Pinterest boards because once I get on there, I spend way too much time looking at other people's pictures, and then I don't get anything done. Well, I, I, there's actually a nice girls reading naughty books uh, a board on Pinterest under Bernadette Walsh. So I t- I try and link all of my um, my interviews there. So that can be another place where you can waste lots of time. But anyway, well. <laughs> Karen, thanks so much for joining, and um, you know, best of luck with the, with all your wonderful books coming out. So, well, thank and you I for having me. Have a wonderful Christmas season, and um, you're not too cold up there in New England. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I, I just want to update people on the show. I think, as I've mentioned on some of the prior shows, I have had an amazing response in terms of guests this year. I've interviewed, I think, over 40 guests. It's been really just a wonderful ride, and I'm finishing out the year with my interview for Sabrina of um, Sabrina York, and that interview will be on December 28th. Um, I then am booked up until May, and so I have some really, really wonderful guests coming up, um, including Bernadette Marie, who is a very, uh, very um, uh, accomplished, self-published uh, writer, and also I think she's had uh, a lot of a lot of titles out there, so she just agreed to be interviewed, so I'm very excited about that. Um, also want to remind people about my book, The House on Prospect. It's, uh, as I've mentioned on some of my prior shows, I am donating all of the 2013 proceeds to a local charity, Project Nicaragua, and all of the information on the book and the charity is on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com. And so you only have two more weeks, I think less than two weeks now, to if you want to purchase that book and um, you get a great book and you also donate to a great cause. So please, please check that out. Also wanted to remind people about my four-book paranormal series, The Devil and Legacy, the four books in that series, Devil's Mountain, Devil's Shore, Devil's Daughter, and The Devil and Witch are all out and available. They were published by Lyrical Press. And they are all less than $3 a book, so they're very economical. So anyway, I hope that you'll give those a try as well. And all of my books and covers are on my website, again, BernadetteWalsh.com. So I hope that everyone has a wonderful season, um, holiday season, and that 
you will uh, check out my interview on the 28th um, with Sabrina York. So thanks so much for joining me. This is Bernadette Walsh, Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.